Holy Father in heaven, thank you for giving us the privilege to be among the living today. We glorify your name, Lord, because we understand your love and your kindness towards us. It is not because of our righteousness or holiness or goodness that you are being so good to us. But every good thing you do to us is a revelation of your loving kindness and your mercy towards fallen sinful humans like us. In knowledge of this, we worship you and say, Glory, praise, honor, adoration be unto your name. Lord, we want to be like you. We admire your character. We admire all there is about you. So therefore, we bring our lives to you and we ask, Consecrate us to your service. Grant us of your spirit that we may be transformed to your image. As we go through the devotion this morning, may it work what we have asked now, that our lives may be transformed by this devotion to make us become more like you. We pray, Lord, that you will give us utterance, that the words we will speak will help all who would listen and help ourselves too, that we may become more like Jesus. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Our High Calling, September 13, The Home Training Ground Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for daring do I delight. Psalm 119 verse 35 Men have taught that God's law has been done away. Were this the case, we would have no standard of character and would have nothing to show us God's righteous claims. We should be adrift upon an ocean of uncertainty and have no guide in dealing with the solemn responsibilities of the family relation. But it is in the family relation that we receive our training in dealing with our fellow men in general. If God had no law by which to govern human intelligences, nothing by which his character could be represented as a sample to which the human family could shape their characters, then what impression could possibly be made upon our children as to what constitutes rectitude of life and perfection of character. The fifth commandment enjoins upon children obedience to their parents, and parents are to help their children to keep this commandment by acting their part in cooperating with God in requiring obedience through childhood and youth. Parents themselves must be under rule to God. They must reveal precious traits of character, presenting a pattern before their children, manifesting patience and forbearance, mingled with firmness and thus educate their children to obey their Heavenly Father. Satan delights to look upon disordered and ill-governed families, for his success depends largely upon the control he can have over the families of earth. He is determined the standard of righteousness shall not be the rule for the formation of character. The Ten Commandments come forth from the God of heaven whose heart is full of love, who is infinite in wisdom, who never makes a mistake. He is too wise to err, too good to harm anyone who will obey his requirements. Blessing will follow those who obey and who administer the law of Jehovah. The happiness and peace of parents and children in this life and their best good will be worked out by walking in the path of his precepts. For by so doing, 
they are in harmony with the God of heaven. Amen. The title of our devotion is The Home Training Ground. But it begs the question, training ground for what? For what we talked about yesterday. Yesterday we looked at the topic of uh, having ambition for, gl- for the glory of God. And the title of devotion was Make Your Mark in the World. Education is what we looked at. And the purpose of education, training, that's what education is. Education is training. And the home is the place for that education, for that training. We must start from the foundation. Remember in Genesis 1.26 that we have a purpose. God has a purpose for creating you and me and that is to be in his image and likeness. This purpose of God was frustrated by Satan causing Adam and Eve to sin and then today we find ourselves so far removed from what God wants us to be. And then God decided he must bring to pass what his original intention was and which is that man you who are listening, I who am talking, will be in his image. And he's working to see that that happens and that is the purpose of education and redemption. So I take that quote again from the book Education, page 15, paragraph 2. It says, by disobedience, this plan of God was forfeited. Through sin, the divine likeness was marred and well nigh obliterated. Man's physical powers were weakened, his mental capacity was lessened, his spiritual vision dimmed, he had become subject to death. Yet the race was not left without hope, amen. By infinite love and mercy the plan of salvation had been devised and a life of probation was granted. To restore man in the image of his maker, to bring him back to the perfection in which he was created, to promote the development of body, mind and soul, that the divine purpose, that's in Genesis 1.26, in his creation might be realized. This was to be the work of redemption and this is the object of education, the great object of life. And today we are looking at the place where this education is to be gained, the home training ground. The home is the place where redemption and education is to be administered to every human being. When a child comes into the world, they are to have a home where this plan of God, where his purpose, his original purpose in creating man is to be achieved. And what is the original purpose? that man should be in the image of God. This image is to be restored back to man. Every baby that is born, every child that is in any family, this is God's plan for that child and every adult also. So parents, you have to ask yourself the question. When you are getting into the business of rearing and bringing children into the world, what is your purpose? Are you bringing them into the world so that they can bear your name? That's a very, I would say, shallow reason for having children. Remember that before you make any decision and embark on anything in life, you must ask yourself, how does this thing help me to achieve my purpose? You must be fixed in your mind. Have one goal, single-minded. And Jesus said, if your eye is single, then your eye shall be full of light. And our single purpose in life should be that redemption, that education to restore in ourselves the image of God. Ask yourself then, how does marriage help me do that? Of course it does help you do that. But is that the purpose for which you are entering into marriage? Are you entering into marriage just for sexual desire? Are you entering into marriage just because you want to raise children who will bear your name and children who will take care of you when you are old? Those are shallow reasons. You must understand how marriage restores in you the image of God. You must understand how bearing children restores in you the image of God. And when you do not understand this 
and you enter into marriage or bringing in children into the world, you will make a mess of the whole thing and you will be frustrated because that is not the purpose of marriage and that is not the purpose of bringing children into the world. Every life in this world belongs to God and it is to be in that fashion, trained to give glory to God and not glory to man. But here's where we have the problem. Many parents are bringing into bringing children into the world to bring glory to themselves and not glory to God. And so, how do we bring glory to God and glory to self? It is by law. When you follow the law of anybody, you are bringing honor and glory to that person. If you follow the law of your nation, law-abiding citizen, you are honoring and bringing glory to that nation. So whose law presides in the home? And back to what I was saying earlier, parents, do you see how having a child is going to help you to restore the image of God in you? Was that the reason why you had children? Now, if that was not the reason, you can change it right now. You don't need to wait. It doesn't mean you made any mistake per se. You have the children now. Perhaps your reason before was, oh, I want my name to continue. Oh, I want people who take care of me when I'm old. Oh, I just want children who will bring honor and glory to me by their achievements and by their intelligence and by their exploits. I tell you, those are flimsy, shallow reasons. Those reasons do not, will not stand the test of time. Easily will they be frustrated. That is not the purpose of life. And since that is not the purpose of life and you are trying to bring glory to yourself, God says, if anybody builds a house that the foundation is not from God, that house will not stand. Psalm 127 verse 1 Except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Is the Lord building your house or are you building it for yourself? How do you know when the Lord is building the house? If, it is bu- if the Lord is building the house, then that house will be fashioned in a way to give glory to God. But if you are building a house for yourself, then it will be bringing glory to you. But remember what we just read now, except the Lord build the house. You are laboring in vain, training the children to bring glory to yourself, training them to listen to your own commandments instead of God's commandments. Now, purpose. There is in that sacred family everything that can restore the image of God in you. And you must understand that, that in that relation of man and woman, there is called out characters that were not in you before. Characters of forgiveness, mercy, compassion, thoughtfulness, love. These are deep characters of God. God is very thoughtful. Through the marriage relation and the family relation, you are taught unselfishness and thoughtfulness, the unselfish care of the parent towards the child, where the parent is always thinking of the child and not of themselves. That is a godly attribute. And this family relation is done for that purpose, to bring out these characters in us, but not at the expense of going against God's commandments. Reading from Adventist Home, page 159, paragraph 2, it says, Children are the heritage of the Lord, and we are answerable to Him for our management of His property. In love, faith, and prayer, let parents work for their households until, the, until with joy they can come to God, saying, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me. A childless house is a desolate place. The hearts of the inmates are in danger of becoming selfish, of cherishing a love for their own ease and consulting their own desires and conveniences. They gather sympathy to themselves but have little to bestow upon others. End of quote. Now that doesn't mean that a childless home will always be selfish. Say they are in danger because some other time too, out of selfishness we bring children into the world for the glory of self. So there is something we learn. In fact, the man Enoch, having children was something that helped him. So reading Adventist home, page 160, paragraph 5, 
and when you read the bible also it says the same thing i think I, let me just read the one in the bible first of all when we look at the book of genesis genesis chapter 5 talking about enoch the bible says in verse 21 and enoch lived 65 years and begat methuselah and enoch walked with god after he begat methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters it says then in verse 24 and enoch walked with god and he was not for god took him that passage says it was after enoch gave birth to methuselah that he walked with god now reading adventist home page 160 paragraph 5 a child's influence on enoch after the birth of his first son enoch reached a higher experience he was drawn into a closer relationship with god he realized more fully his own obligations and responsibility as a son of God. And as he saw the child's love for its father, its simple trust in his protection, as he felt the deep yearning tenderness of his own heart for that firstborn son, he learned a precious lesson of the wonderful love of God to men in the gift of his son and the confidence which the children of God may repose in their heavenly father. Amen. And you also can learn like Enoch these same lessons. Confidence in God as your child has confidence in you. And then as you yearn towards the child's welfare, you remember that this is how God has been yearning towards my own welfare. But there is much more to learn. Selfishness can be involved in the bringing up of children. Our devotion brings to our minds the only thing that can make home a happy home and the purpose the purpose of having these children and what our obligation is to children and children's obligation to parents. We are told here that the commandments of God is to make to be made the rule of every family. Reading here in our high calling page 262 paragraph it says but it is in the family relation that we receive our training in dealing with our fellow men in general if God had no law so what's going to train us the law is what guides that training if God had no law by which to govern human intelligences nothing by which his character could be represented as a sample to which the human family could shape their characters then what impression could possibly be made upon our children as to what constitutes rectitude of life and perfection of character there will be nothing and there will be nothing to show it is the law of god that is to be used to rule the family not the laws of men that commandment of god the fifth commandment tells speaks to us honor your father and your mother that your days may be long how do you bring honor to father and mother not by obeying every whim and everything they tell you to do but by obeying the law of god children are to obey their parents in the lord not out of the lord in the lord that's what the bible says to obey your parents in the lord of course parents then are to subject themselves to the commandments of god our high calling page 262 paragraph 3 parents themselves must be under rule to god they must reveal precious traits of character presenting a pattern before their children manifesting patience and forbearance mingled with firmness and thus educate their children to obey their heavenly father finally we are told in paragraph 4 the ten commandments come forth from the god of heaven whose heart is full of love who is infinite in wisdom who never makes a mistake he is too wise to err too good to harm anyone who will obey his requirements blessing and not curse blessing and not embarrassment blessing and not shame will follow those who obey and who administer the law of jehovah end of quote now let me speak to you parents do you teach your children to obey god's law or do you teach them to honor you today in the world's system of viewing things the world views things differently they think it is a shame for us to keep the commandments and many parents are urging their children to break god's commandments because they feel ashamed when their children keep the commandments of god 
In what ways do we see this? A child is taught that when he goes out into the streets, he shouldn't let anybody to, to beat him. That if he's fought, he should fight back and ensure that nobody beats him up. Now, when you teach your child that, are you teaching them the commandments of God? Of course you are not. But why are you teaching them that? Because you feel that if your child comes home crying and he tells you somebody beats him, it looks like your child is a weakling and is bringing embarrassment to you and shame to you. So you tell your child, make sure you fight. Don't let anyone beat you because you will feel ashamed when somebody beats your child. Now, when you teach your child that, you are bringing honor and glory to yourself and not to God. How about when it comes to examinations in school? Do you encourage your child to cheat in the exam and to do anything just so that he can pass or she can pass? When you do that, of course, because you don't want your child to bring the shame to you that he failed an exam. And then you tell them anyhow, do it. Make sure you pass. I don't want to have to spend extra money and I don't want the shame that you failed. Instead of thinking of the honor that my child stood for God, he did not cheat. Though he may have failed. Then you train the child to study and know better rather than teaching the child to cheat in the exam hall. You see, these standards pushed out by parents to their children show that the law of God is not what is controlling that family, but another commandment has been formed in the home. Parents are to be caretakers to their children, and like we say, the landlord now has been pushed away from his home. The, 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 the God of heaven is the owner of that child. We are only caretakers. Now, the caretaker is taking over the home and pushing away the owner of the home. That child belongs to God, not to you, O parent who is listening. It is not you that owns that child. And God will require of of your hand whatever you teach that child that is negative, that is contrary to his law. You will answer for it. Many parents will not make it to the kingdom of God because they taught their children to disobey God and because they did not want shame upon themselves. They are not willing to give the child back to God that has been given to them. They have stolen the child from God. They've kept the child to themselves and God is requiring the child, give me the child that I gave to you. And they are saying, no, I will take him for myself. I want to use him for my glory. Is that what you are doing? God is calling you to repent today change your ways. We feel that our parents, our children are bringing embarrassment to us. For example, we are supposed to keep the Sabbath day holy and then if you do, if the child does that, perhaps they write, they don't write the exam on Sabbath, what happens to them? They have a failure and they have to rewrite the exam. Or they have to write an exam to enter into a school and that exam is on Sabbath and the parent is forcing the child, urging the child, threatening the child that you must write that exam on Sabbath. Or do something contrary to God's word. It might be in the issue of dress. They are told, oh, you must dress this way. And dressing that way, for example, may be abominable as the word of God talks about dress. We will look at dress sometime later in the month. Dress in a way, maybe the girls are told, dress in this particular way that is abominable in the eyes of God, just so that you can get this or that. And then the parent feels, I need my child to have this. Instead of thinking of God's glory, they are thinking of their own glory. They are thinking of the shame that's to bring to them when they allow their children to obey God's law. And is it really a shame? It is a blessing. It is honor to you. When Jesus was on that cross, his garments stripped from him were on nigh naked on the cross. Who gave him over? The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah chapter 53, reading from verse 10 to 12, that it pleased God to bruise him, his own son, giving us a sacrifice for you and for me. Today, the Lord is requiring you, give me back my child. Though it is called your son, but it's actually for God. Can you sacrifice your child for God? God made a sacrifice. John 3, 16. God so loved you, O parent, that he gave his only begotten son so that you will not perish. Now, he wants to see whether you love him. You have your own son now. You have your own daughter. Are you willing to allow your child to suffer for Christ's sake? Or are you going to protect your child from the suffering? Jesus said concerning himself when it was the day that he was taken to to Pilate's judgment hall and later he was of course going to be crucified. When Peter brought out his sword so that he can protect Jesus, 
I read now from the book of uh, this John 18, verse 10 and 11. It says, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into thy sheet. The cup which my father had given me, shall I not drink it? Jesus drank his cup of suffering for you, and now he brings very little embarrassments, which are not really embarrassments. There is a shame we have to bear for Jesus here, and then he allows us to pass through some trials. Your child is going to pass through that trial. Will you allow him? Will you allow her to pass through it? Or will you take back your child? Let me tell you a fact. You stop your child from suffering for Christ and one thing is very sure. God will take away your part from his kingdom. If you cannot suffer for him, he said very clearly that he who will not suffer for me, I also, he is not going to attribute to you the death that Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. Matthew 10 verse 32 Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Verse 37 He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Parents, allow your children to serve God. Teach them to serve God. Teach them that they are not embarrassing you when they keep God's commandments. When they refuse to tell a lie. When they refuse to cheat in the exam hall. When they choose to keep God's law by avoiding to fight. When they choose to keep the Sabbath as it is proclaimed in the word of God. When they choose to avoid their associates that are evil, having no girlfriend, boyfriend and engaging in all those kind of things, let them know that they are doing the best thing. Teach them by your own example that that is the right thing to do. Let them know that they are not supposed to glorify you but glorify God and that the only glory and honor they can bring to you is by keeping the law and the commandments of God. Let them know that. That they dishonor you and dishonor God when they go against God's law. Some parents rejoice when their children break God's law and they even give testimonies in church over it. Why will you do that? Because you are thinking it's glorifying you at the expense of glorifying God. Are you not a thief? Have you not stolen God's child and God's property? You are only a custodian of that child. He's not your own. He is for God. She is for God. And when you dress that child in a way that is not pleasing God, but yet is fashionable and you are happy and is pleasing you, are you not stealing from God what is his own property? Bringing glory to yourself but not glory to God. Thinking that, oh, it will embarrass you. It was an honor to God that his child was on the cross for your sake. Do you consider it an honor that your child will also carry a cross for Christ's sake? Or do you consider it a shame? What is it that we are even passing through that we are calling embarrassment? Has anybody ever flogged you 40 stripes on your back? Have you ever had any crown of thorns on your head? The Son of God had all this done to him and much more. Carried a cross in his weakness to the point that he couldn't anymore and somebody had to do it. This was somebody else's child. Can you not give your own child to do the same? And it was done for you, O parents, who are withholding your child from suffering for Christ. Allow your child to suffer for Christ by keeping the commandments of God. Because indeed, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12. Teach your child to keep the commandments of God. Not that you just want him to suffer. The fact is that when we do that, God will bring about these things to test us, to show whether we love him or not. He has shown his love for us in everything he did and dying on the cross. Teach your child to show their love for Jesus by abiding by his commandments and let them know clearly that they dishonor you and dishonor God whenever they go against God's commandment in the most little way. Teach them about the seventh commandment 
about social reform that they, sh- they shouldn't go about involved in sowing wild oats sleeping around engaged in boyfriend things and girlfriend and all those kind of halotry teach them not to do that teach them that it is more honorable to be to have little than to go into schemes of cheating people and deception just to get so much money let them know that you are happy with them even if they are not rich many parents want their children to be rich and have so much money whether it comes at the expense of disobeying god or not they don't care all they want to know is that their child has is rich their child graduated from school with so-so amount of first class and second class or whatever. But whether they disobeyed God in doing that, they don't care. All they know is that it's bringing glory and honor to them. Oh, my child graduated. My child passed his exam. My child is married. But did you care to know whether they kept God's commandments while doing that? That is your duty, O parent. The commandments of God. The home is a training ground for that child. Please, don't deny your child the, the training that is due him. In conclusion, I want to encourage us parents. I know that because we are in the world, it may be difficult for you to see things clearly. But trust in God. Train your child in the way of the Lord. Don't look at it as an embarrassment when they are not achieving certain things because they chose to keep God's commandments. Encourage them. Let them know that they have done well. And you also don't feel bad when your child loses one favor or the other that they were supposed to get because they kept the law of God. Don't feel bad. In conclusion, I want to read now from Child Guidance, page 13, paragraph 1. Have these things in mind. It says, It is the privilege of parents to take their children with them to the gates of the city of God, saying, I have tried to instruct my children to love the Lord, to do His will and to glorify Him. To such, the gate will be thrown open and parents and children will enter in. But all cannot enter. Some are left outside with their children, whose characters have not been transformed by submission to the will of God. A hand is raised and the words are spoken. You have neglected home duties. You have failed to do the work that would have fitted the soul for a home in heaven. You cannot enter. The gates are closed to the children because they have not learned to do the will of God and to parents because they have neglected the responsibilities resting upon them. End of quote. Awake to your responsibility. May the gates of heaven not be shut against you because you fail to do your responsibility as a parent. May the gates of heaven not be shut against us. Have you been making mistakes? You have an opportunity to transform yourself now, to reform Have you trained your children in the wrong way? It's not yet over. You can ask God for forgiveness and begin again. Do what you can to revenge the disobedience and train them in the right way now. Stop buying those movies for them that is teaching them the way of the devil. So stop buying those cartoons that is teaching them to break God's law. You should care about such things. Let the law of God be established in the home. Has a mistake been made? Pray together with your children. Tell them where you went wrong and let them know that a change will be made and you will teach them the right way. It may be the Lord will not say this against you, but he will know that you've done your best. May that be our experience. Amen. Amen. I'll take... From the second paragraph where it says that he is determined the standard of righteousness shall not be the rule for the formation of character. In other words, let parents do all they want to form a good character. But let it not be that they will use the Ten Commandments, the standard of righteousness. Send the child to the best universities and colleges in the world. Buy all you want for the child just to make the child happy and keep your laws. As long as the Ten Commandments is not the rule for the formation of character, no wonder why some parents will come to the place where they will be pleading with their children with a yearning pathos. What have I not done for you? 
I have done everything possible for this child to have a good character. But see how this child has brought me to shame. Is that not what the Bible says that a child left to himself will bring shame upon the mother? Put the child in good company. Let the commandments of the Lord gather the child's feet. Oh, how I love thy Lord. It is my meditation all the day. Psalms 119 verse 97. Oh, Satan says that it is impossible for us to keep that law. That's why parents don't even bother teaching the law to your children. I'll read from Third Selected Messages, page 139. It says, We are ever to be thankful that Jesus has proved to us by actual facts that man can keep the commandments of God, giving contradiction to Satan's falsehood that man cannot keep them. You see, whenever you talk about the commandments of God, people are always afraid. But we are told that they are promises of what he will do for us. But because we want to do them in our own strength, we think we can do them in our own strength, we make modifications here and there. We patch here and stitch over there. When the stretch, say, but when the stretch begins to come, the garments rent becomes worse and we give up. We join Satan in saying, no man can keep it. And so the popular saying is that the Ten Commandments have been done away with. Then what impression could possibly be made upon our children as to what constitute rectitude of life and perfection of character? Imagine saying to a child that Joseph maintained chastity and he refused to commit adultery with Pontifus' wife. He was thrown into prison for that, but God blessed him beyond measures. However, with the same time the child hears us say that the commandments have been done away with. So you're saying that the seventh commandment too was nailed to the cross. It's no longer binding. Then the child grows up without realizing their happiness depends on maintaining the claims of the law. They either get pregnant or they impregnate other people trouble begins. Let us look at our society again and see how it is affecting us. The attempt to raise our children without the law of God at one point or the other will come back to haunt us. Now look at a country like USA. There was a time in the history we were told that the number of males in prison were more than the number of males in the universities. Now all these males, there are sons and daughters sorry sons and brothers and fathers from families what do you think will happen to single mothers a lady who is trying to raise up children but her husband is in prison let's say she has two kids a boy and a girl now the child support expert says that the girls most especially the girls they long for the male voice in the house so she wants to see pure love demonstrated by a father. So in her search for it, to fill the void, she begins to look over the window. Her attraction draws her to other males, and the first male that will say to her, I love you, ends up betraying her most of the time. That's how men should love to them because they have not really learned it. They have not seen the example in a home circle. Whereas the boy doesn't want others to think that he is feminized, he looks for machismo strength from other street friends. He learns bad habits. Then he ends up in prison. A vicious circle. And the mother becomes unhappy because that's what Satan wants. He wants to leave the women unhappy. And so they give up. So you see how Satan is attacking the family unit. And then he, through the family unit, he's attacking the societies. All because the law of God is not the prime mover. Parents are to help their children to keep these commandments by acting their part in cooperating with God and requiring obedience through childhood and youth. Oh, there is wisdom in the commandments. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 18 says, She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retained her. Then shalt thou walk in the way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. The book of Revelation reminds us that Satan is making war against all who decides to keep the commandments. No man can serve God 
without enlisting against himself the opposition of the host of darkness. Every evil angel will assail him, alarmed that his influence is taking the prey from their hands. Evil men, rebuked by his example, will unite with them in seeking to separate him from God by alluring temptations. While these do not succeed, then a compelling power is employed to force the conscience. Great Controversy, the chapter that is titled Final Warning, page 610. We've been told to take note that Satan is determined. This is a war, beloved. But those who understand this, those who know their God shall be strong and should they shall do exploits. Blessings will follow those who obey and who administer the law of Jehovah. Beloved, have we not seen over and over and over again how God blesses his children? Not until God ceases to bless his children will they cease to be under bonds. So our prayer should be, make me a captive of these blessings as I keep thy precepts. Beloved, if we use the law of, the God, of God as our rule of life in the home, we will lie down and our sleep shall be sweet. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 16 Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her parts are peace. Verse 1 says My son forget not my law but let thine heart keep my commandments. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. So we see that Satan is trying to reproach God in the text in Proverbs chapter 27 verse 11 where it says, My son be wise and make my heart glad that I may answer him that reproached me. The happiness, we've been told in the fourth paragraph, that the happiness and peace of parents and children in this life and their best good will be worked out by walking in the path of his precepts. For by so doing, they are in harmony with the God of heaven. So we want to bring our life under harmony. Now think about the safest place in this world. Or think about how safe where the money is being stored in the banks. Compare it to what God arranged Israel to be like. The law of God was in the most holy place. And is surrounded by the whole temple courts. It's not, an, it's not a common place where everybody can just access but now we've been told that the law is the transcript of God's character and so he wants us to keep the law using the family as the platform where the law should be taught now think about a man like Abraham who the Bible says is a friend of God in Genesis chapter 18 verse 17 it says and the Lord said shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after me, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of him. Now talking about Abraham in Patriarchs and Prophets 141, he says, Abraham's household comprised more than a thousand souls. Those who were led by his teachings to worship the one God found a home in his encampment. And here, as in a school, they received such instructions as would prepare them for the representatives of the true faith. Thus, a great responsibility rested upon him. He was training heads of families and his methods of government will be carried out in the household over which they should preside. So we see clearly how God used Abraham to teach his law. Everybody, every child under your command, everybody in the household who understands the law of God, you're teaching them, you're walking in harmony with God because that's how his knowledge is to be spreaded in the whole world. Ministry of Healing Page 390 says the father is the lawmaker of the household and like Abraham he should make the law of God the rule of his home. God said to Abraham I know him that he will command his children 
and his household. God has given rules for our guidance. Children should not be left to wander away from the safe path marked out in God's word into ways leading to danger which are open to every side, which are open on every side. And so we see that God is calling us to form a union with him. Let us not be training against him, but let's train children using the law as the rule for the formation of character. Amen. Amen. Deuteronomy 5 verse 29, God says, Oh, that there were such an heart in them, that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. A high calling today, God tells us that God, he means well. He has good thoughts and good, good plans. That it might be well with them and with their children forever. How? If they keep all my commandments, it will be well with them. And then God asked, oh, that there were such an heart in them. So God wants a heart service, something that comes from our heart. An obedience that understands that God means well. God desires your good. It will never be well with me if I go against God's commandments. Someone who is afraid of even going one inch aside from God's commandments. The Ten Commandments come forth from the God of heaven, whose heart is full of love, who is infinite in wisdom, who never makes a mistake. He is too wise to err too good to harm anyone who will obey his requirements blessings will follow those who obey who and who administer the law of jehovah the happiness and peace of parents and children in this life and their best good will be worked out by walking in the path of his precepts for by so doing they are in harmony with the God of heaven. God means well. The story of Jacob, you know, when Jacob, his mother, advised him to lie, to be a false witness, and tell his father that he was Esau, so as to get a blessing that God himself had already promised, reminds us of the danger and the harm that comes to those who follow in disobedience. You know, Jacob thought he was doing the best. His mother even convinced him. I think Jacob was afraid of even lying against his father, against his brother rather. But the mother convinced him and said, don't worry, I'll take care of the plans. The mother convinced him to go against the commandments of God. And it was sorrowful. He fled the house. There was chaos. Esau became more vehement and Jacob ran away and could not return. His mother never saw him again. Lies tore her away from her son, her beloved son. Where is the peace? No peace. Did Rebecca realize the blessing she was trying to get? No. She died without seeing her son. What about Jacob? In the book Genesis 49 verse 9, 47 verse 9 rather, when Pharaoh asked Jacob about his life, hear what he said. The days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been and have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. What is Jacob saying? My years have been painful. I have been in much pain, betrayal, oppression. The seed he sowed, he ripped it. It is true that God did forgive him. He became an overcomer and his name was changed from Jacob to, so, to, to Israel, which is something that we can really praise God for. He knows how to make out good things from our mistakes. But you understand the pain, the agony, the shame, 
by just heeding the mother's advice. It was the mom's influence that led him to do what he did. It was so for Eve. Satan lied and told him, told her that it was going to be well with her if she goes against God's commands. Friends, parents, brothers and sisters, let us understand that there is no safety in going against God's law. Even if your parents are forcing you to write that exams on Sabbath, to change that date of birth, to change your age and say, okay, you are from this state or from that state and then change a figure of that, please, that's Satan speaking through that agency. And understand, it will not be well with you. It will, you will not prosper in that thing which you do. Even if there is a monetary reward now you gain, you will live in fear and anxiety and uncertainty. I remember those days in school, one of my fears in exam my practice was, how am I going to come back to God and kneel down and say, God, please do this for me or do that for me. I couldn't. The dishonesty, the double standard, the hypocrisy of going against God's command somewhere else by bearing false witness and then coming down again, I couldn't stand the shame. I couldn't stand the dishonesty. And I'm still praying God to help me with that principle in every other area of life, in every other besetting sin. And that's how God wants us to serve Him with our heart. In Jeremiah 7, God says, Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, and commit adultery, and swear falsely, and burn incense unto Baal, and walk after other gods whom you know not, and come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations. Is this house which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, even I have seen it, said the Lord. Jeremiah 17 verse 11 The person who gathers wealth by unjust means is like the partridge who, that broods over eggs but does not hatch them. Before his life is half over, he will lose his ill-gotten gains. At the end of his life, it will be clear he was a fool. Jeremiah 17 verse 11 God sees. We cannot say to him we are delivered to do all these abominations and come before his house and share testimonies and say God helps me in this. When I know very well in my, li in my life or in the experience I cheated, I lied, I stole, I used God's name in vain, I broke the Sabbath. No. It will not be well with me if I do so. It will not be well with you if you do so. No matter how much is promised you, please, down the line, it will never be well. How much more? You will not have eternal life. Blessed are those. They rather. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Your right to eternal life is in jeopardy. My right to eternal life is in jeopardy when I go against God's commandments. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? What? The rich man who said to his soul, So eat, take thy ease. You have much wealth. The Bible says that that night God came to him and said, Fool. This night, your life is required from you. And I don't think it's just that present life alone. He was going to lose. He was going to lose eternal life. Whatever we suffer in standing for God, it's a privilege. It's an honor. You are standing on the same platform with Christ. The story we, we used to hear about Peter. When he was crucified, he said, no, I don't want to be crucified like my Lord. I'm not worthy to be crucified like him. Crucify me rather upside down. You're bringing me on the same level as my master, as though I was as righteous as he. He understood suffering to mean you have a place with God. In the controversy with sin, Satan wants to ridicule you 
but God says, no, my child will stand for me. And so before the universe, in your obedience, you are making a name for God. The whole universe sees you as, this one is a child of God. Yes, to man, they don't see anything. Just like it was for Daniel, they didn't see him as a child of God per se. But to the universe, God is taking down a record of your faithfulness and you will be rewarded. Every faithfulness will be rewarded. Hold on. Hold on, child of God, and be faithful. Hear Jesus' counsel to you. In John 5 verse 41, he tells, I receive not honor from men. That's God's, Jesus' counsel. I'm not looking for people to praise me. Let it be settled in your heart that honor that you're looking for is the honor that comes from God. Jesus said that how can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? It won't work, friends, if we are looking for honor that comes from man. You will despise God. So close down your eyes. Let me close my eyes to the honor that comes from men. Rather, seek the honor that comes from God alone. The word again is alone. Alone. May God help us in our endeavors to please God to live our lives for him, to remember how much he has sacrificed for us and do our best to please him, both in the home and in our counsel and our advice to our children. Set them up as children who would honor God. Like Daniel and the three Hebrew boys, their parents set them up. The education they received was to make them men who will be honorable, who will stand for God, though the heavens fall. Their parents do not, did not raise career above obedience to God's law. And that was why it followed them till where, when they were even made, when they were exalted in their workplaces. It was the foundation that the parents laid that made them stand. They understood that forget this job, forget our life self. I pray that God will put this mind in us. And that's why the devotion brings to us. David said, make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. The prayer request I am perceiving after this devotion is, make me to go in the path of thy commandments. Lord, give me a willing heart. The Bible says it is God who works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And the Bible also says that the Holy Spirit, it is him who sheds abroad the love of God in our hearts. We need to make this prayer, Lord, make me to go in the path. The promise from God in Ezekiel 36 is that I will cause you to walk in my ways. I will take away the heart of stone and give you the heart of flesh. It's a promise we need to claim. I myself, I want to claim this promise. God, make my heart. Make me love you. Help me to desire your honor above my own life, above my own desires and ambitions. For only those who seek honor from God alone will be able to stand for him. May this be our experience. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for exalting this standard before us. I pray you help us in our home front, in our counsel, in the times when we advise ourselves and our friends to remember to honor you, to stand with your commandments. Please may your spirit continually bring these thoughts before us and help us to stand for you, Lord. Are there those who are challenged today whether they will honor you or honor themselves or their family names, please, I beg you. That your spirit will remember, will remind them that you shed your life for them and that eternity is at stake. Raise up this standard in their minds and give them victory over Satan and his temptation. Thank you. We pray in Jesus' name.